when we uh, look at a Feast of Epiphany, there's, there's a few things, a lot we can do with this. Uh, but what I would like to do today is, is talk about uh, the gifts, yeah? Because uh, these are, that I could find, the only time someone gave Jesus a gift and we know exactly what they gave. Uh, and who was giving is important. These were not Jews. These were people from Persia, or we call Iran now, who would have traveled well over a thousand miles. Um, and it would have taken at least five months. And it would have been a really dangerous journey because they were carrying three things, two of which are insanely expensive. Yeah? So what compelled these non-Jews to come to see the king of the Jews? And it's a good chance for us to look at the contrast because we see the leadership of Herod. Uh, for those of you who, who know your history, you know Herod uh, was not a good guy. Uh, Herod, at some point in his life, became completely insane. And he wasn't the best guy before that. He killed most of his own family for fear they were going to try to take his throne from him. He killed his own wife for fear that she was cooperating with an attempt on his life. Uh, and in this case, we know that when the, it says when the Magi got there, Herod figured out, okay, how long ago was this? And it would have been a bit. Jesus would have been at least a year old, possibly as old as four or five. You can't just get from Iran to Bethlehem overnight with camels. I mean, I could, but... <laughs> I would need a plane named Camel. Um, he tried to figure out how long ago this was, and, and you know why. Because as soon as they left, he ordered the slaughter of every male born in that area, two years old or younger. He wanted no competition. That's how we do power. Yeah? So these holy people, these, these magi, what they brought him is revelatory of what kind of king we got. And the first thing it says they brought was gold. Uh, gold's a good thing, yeah? Uh, gold is a very appropriate gift for either a king or a priest. Um, just kidding. Cookies will get you much farther. Uh, but all kidding aside, gold is a gift you bring a king and they brought this to him because whatever they had wrong, they had this right. Jesus was a king. Jesus is a king. And for you and I, the gold we can give Jesus is submission to that kingship. To say to Jesus, you are my king. You have the right to tell me uh, how to live. As my creator and my king, you know what will bring me life and what will bring me death. And you always speak the truth. So Jesus, I submit to you. I submit to you. I, I never forget the day it kind of finally hit me. And I know I've shared this with you before, but the idea that we have these things called sins, they're not just random things God picked and said, eh, those are sins. God looks at the human person, knows what will damage our souls, and then says, don't do that. I don't want you damaged. I don't want you hurt. 
And like so many things, what usually what comes out as a sin is something that gives us an instant gratification, but long-term damage. And we need the guidance of our king. And we need to submit to it and say, Lord, the gold I give you is my obedience, my submission. If you, Lord, say something that I like is wrong, I'll believe you. If you say something is right, Lord, I'll believe you. Your priorities will be my priorities. That's the gold we can give our Lord this year. The gold we can give our God is obedience. Yeah. How about frankincense? What's frankincense? Does anyone know the uh, play Seven Brides for Seven Brothers? Yeah, oh, one person. No one else? Oh, two. All right. I have to point this out, and it has nothing to do with the homily. Uh, but in this movie, or play, or whatever way you watched it, it's about this mom and dad who had eight boys. Uh, seven. That's why I guess it's called Seven Rides. <laughs> and they decided that they would name them with biblical names, and that they would use the alphabet so they could keep track of who's who. So they go, the oldest is Adam, then Benjamin, then Caleb, Daniel, Ephraim, and then they got to F. And they could not find an F name in the Bible, so they named that kid Frankincense, which meant all the other brothers beat up on him, uh, which made him the toughest one in the group. So that has nothing to do with this homily. You're welcome. Frankincense is an incense, and it's an incense that humans have used, as far as we know, for at least 5,000 years. It predates Judaism. And it's this really sweet-smelling rock that you burn on charcoal, and it produces this beautiful smell and this smoke. And I know incense drives some of you nuts, so we try to minimalize it. But man, if it were up to me, every mass, 30 times a mass, yeah. Because it's beautiful. And again, people have been worshiping God with incense for thousands of years. And why frankincense? Well, because you can really see the smoke. And you can really smell that sweet smell. And that's the idea. Our prayers rising up to heaven. That's what it says in scripture. Let my prayers rise up like incense before you. The lifting of my hands is an offering to you. And it smells sweet because our prayers are sweet to the Lord. He loves the sound of our prayers. I don't get it. I could handle a God who tolerates my prayers. That kind of love I can understand. But this is a God who wants my prayers. Yeah. So you and I, what's the frankincense we can give the Lord? Well, I'm going to give you a hint. You're doing it right now. Yeah? You are here to worship the Lord. You could be in places that are much more entertaining. You could be, be anywhere. You could decide to sleep in. You could decide this morning to have done anything that you could do. You chose to tell God you're worth this. I remember a priest when I was growing up, he always gave homilies yelling at people who weren't at church. I'm like, bro, they're not here. You know, uh, they don't hear you. 
I want to honor you. I get to pray with you all the time. And I think that's an incredible blessing. And every year, I've been here four years, every year I know a few more of you and a few more of you, and I just can't believe I get to do this with you, that we get to come together and say, God, it's all about you. If just for an hour, it's all about you. That's worship. That's giving God your frankincense. And, and this is kind of cool. Uh, this is a surprise new thing we're trying at the church. We actually do this every day. Yeah. What? I know. Uh, every day we worship the Lord here. Every day we come in here and change the universe by worshiping God. And your work schedule or family schedule might not allow you to come to these daily worships. But there's a million other ways to worship too. You can talk to the Lord when you're in your car, right? You can even explain someone's driving to him, if you know what I'm saying. You know, I'm mad. You can worship the Lord while you do laundry. You can worship the Lord while you wash dishes. You can talk to God all the time. And that's what he wants. He wants your voice. He wants to be on your mind. Not because of his ego, but because that's what you and I need. That's what we need. If we uh, took everything that's in my head and sweet Lord, that would be terrifying. Can I move Jesus to the front? Can I move Jesus to the front of that list of things that are on my mind? What possible harm could it do for me to sit and think about love all day? The frankincense that we're going to offer God in this next year is our worship. Our time. God, you're worth this. And how wonderful for us to, again, even if it's for an hour, do something that's not about us. Amazing stuff. So we're going to give God the gold of our obedience and submission. We're going to give him the frankincense of our worship and our prayer. But then we get to myrrh. If you heard in the first reading, I think, did you read? No, you read the second. Okay. In the first reading, wherever we went. Every, see, they're pointing at each other, and I'm just totally confused. Uh, you may notice it prophesied this, right? In the book of Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, dromedaries, which is the only time that word's used in the Bible. I just want you to put that out there for trivia. Dromedaries and camels will come bringing gold and frankincense. It doesn't mention myrrh. Because that's objectively a horrible, horrible gift. You would never give this to a child. Because myrrh had one use and one use only. When someone died, you, ru you rubbed myrrh into the body. It was a way to kind of prevent the smell of decay from overwhelming you. Myrrh was a gift you gave to people who just lost someone they loved. And they just gave it to a baby. If you look in the, and I, uh, the We Three Kings, right? Uh, we Three Kings of Orientar smoking a Cuban cigar. I don't know. You remember, right? Did you ever get to verse 4? Nobody ever sings that at church. And I told Doc, dear Lord, don't sing that. That's awful. Here's verse 4. You can look it up. 
Um, myrrh is mine. It's bitter perfume. Breathes a life of gathering doom. Sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, laid in a stone-cold tomb. Oh, oh, star of wonder, star. <laughs> what? <laughs> you could just see Mary, thanks for the golden frankincense. Uh, you know, you myrrh, I can't imagine went through our mom's heart when she saw these men bring such an awful thing, but they were right. Scripture tells us his life was defined by suffering. You've been hurt by someone you love. Imagine if your love was perfect, what that hurt would be. And his love was perfect, and we killed him for it. His life was defined by suffering. And the myrrh you and I can give the Lord is our suffering. It's our sorrowing. It's our sighing, our bleeding. He wants it. I have people who love me, and I have people I love. And if they're in pain, I want to know. But I don't really like it. He does. That's how deep the love goes. I want your pain. I want your bleeding and your sorrowing and your sighing. I want it. He wants your myrrh. And that is an amazing thing to me. I've been struggling a bit the last couple weeks, right? Since Christmas Day, I told Dad, I said, it's like somebody pushed the gas pedal and I can't stop. It's just been thing after thing. And I was finally getting to a point where I felt, I'm just going to fall over. And I was mad at God. I asked him for a break. He said no. And I, I was embarrassed about how I felt. I hated how it felt. And it struck me in preparing for this. He wants that feeling. He wants that struggle. Jesus, here, I give it to you. I'm a wreck. You, you do something. I think it was Pope uh, Paul VI who said every night when he went to bed, the last thing he told the Lord was, it's your church and it's a mess and I'm going to go to bed. Yeah. Why not give him our myrrh? Give him our pain and our sorrow. And how do we do it? I don't know. We just say it. Lord, I give you this feeling. I give you this anxiety. I give you this frustration. Whatever it might be, give it to him. And in a minute, truly, I promise I'll quit talking. And we will take something here and give it to the Lord. We're going to take bread. And frankly, not very good bread. You've tasted it. Yeah, my buddy always says, I have a harder time believing it's bread than it's God, you know. <laughs> but we're going to give him these little plastic-looking discs of unleavened bread. And they're cheap, guys. We get those big rolls of them for like 20 cents. They don't really have a ton of value, but we put them here and then we give them to the Lord. Lord, here's our bread. And he takes that and he changes it into himself. 
if he did nothing else, I'd worship him the rest of my life. Lord, I don't know how you take bread and turn it into you. I can't pull that off. But then he gives it back. That's what the church calls a miraculous exchange. Lord, here's some bread. Oh, here's me. It's a good trade. And this is what he does with everything we give him. This is what he does with everything we give him. He takes it to himself, transforms it to be a little more like him and gives it back. And so we give him our pain. And when he gives it back, we find we're more compassionate. We find we're a little less judgy. We find we're a little more tender. This process will last our whole lives until the kingdom of heaven, and so we better get used to it. And give our God the three gifts he wants this year. Three gifts. He wants the gold of our obedience and our submission. He wants the incense of our worship and our time. And he wants the myrrh of our pain. This is a lot better king than Herod. A lot better king than any of us could ever come up with. So let's follow him with our whole heart. Amen.